Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Alongside Mr. Monday, Chris Allman. I'm going to get, I'm going to, we'll find it. We'll find the nickname. Mr. Monday. Mr. Monday. Astros Monday. I'm yeah. ready to talk about it. Let's go. <laughs> oh, wrong show. Wrong show. My wrong fault. show. My wrong fault. show. Uh, but we had a, like, a really interesting college football weekend once again. They're not, like, very rarely are they not. You know, there's a couple of dud weekends in there, but there's always something that happens. And right off the bat, uh, Dion Hype Train keeps on rolling uh, as they, I don't think it was very unexpected what they did in Nebraska. I was impressed that Nebraska held it as close as they did for as long as they did with no offense. But the Deion Hyde train keeps rolling. But the big story is Texas beating Alabama in Bryant-Denny Stadium and doing it in a fashion in which, at the end of the game, uh, Nick Saban does this thing when they're losing or they've lost where he goes, Mary Catherine Gallagher. He puts his hands... Under his arms. And for people who don't get that reference, it was a Molly Shannon SNL sketch back in the 90s yeah. that spurned a, a very mediocre at best That was uh, an obscure movie. and dated reference. Yeah. I'm tracking, though. But, but he puts his hands like he does this, and that's it. That means you've got Nick Saban. The minute that he does that. It's the, it's the equivalent of him tapping out. Yeah, that's it. You've got him. He, I think he's trying to, like, constrict his rage. So he just, like, grabs his chest around. Yeah. He, yeah, but it doesn't happen often. No. So it's pretty rare to get to see it. Yeah, if you go look at the end of the game against Johnny Manziel, the LSU, well, the LSU game ended, like, in the last actual play last year. But especially any of the, He didn't have time to yeah. pout. Yeah, any of the losses, especially that happened at Bryant-Denny, which are very few. Yeah. They're very few. He, like, he does that, and you're like, oh, you got him. And it was, like, it was a wild thing to see Texas – not only beat Alabama, but really be better in so many aspects of the game, as where last year was a little bit of a tight, like both teams played tight the whole time. Yeah. This one was not that. And Quinn Ewers finally like making some plays, you know, throwing the deep ball. It was, it was impressive. And then you come away going, man, does Alabama have a quarterback problem, which we kind of maybe thought they would have, but the reality of Alabama actually having a quarterback problem when that's not been something for more than a decade uh, to varying yeah. degrees. That's, that's kind of wild to think about. Let me ask you, you're a, I view us as two different types of college football consumers. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm not a casual consumer, but I see myself merely as a consumer, mm-hmm. not necessarily as a, as an analyst or can break down X's and O's. I, as a consumer, having watched Georgia kind of ascend to the top of the throne nationally, but especially in the SEC, doesn't mean Alabama's bad, but they've taken a back seat for the first time in 16, 17 years, kind of consistently. Therefore, I wasn't completely shocked to see Texas beat them down there and beat them the way they did. Were you... I don't know. Where would you rate it? Would you rate shocked, surprised? I was I was mildly surprised because I picked them to win because it's hard for me to pick against them to lose at home. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not that surprised. And if you look at the evidence around the country about how rosters are reshaping and how things have moved so rapidly because of the rule changes with the transfer portal, um, I'm not going to include name, image, and likeness in this for Alabama because they don't have that problem. They don't have an NIL issue at all. They don't have that problem. Um, you know, Nick Saban can go in front of the boosters and warn them about everybody else is doing it. He's just telling them in his own way, kind of fear-mongering a little bit, like, yeah. hey, if you guys slow down, you know, money bags and college stations going to get you or sure, Los yeah. Angeles or, 
or Athens, Georgia, yeah. you know, he can he can do that. But they don't have that problem. Because whoever goes to Alabama can go there pretty rest assured that you're gonna be all right. Like yeah, you're that's good. gonna be fine. Comfortable. But what I do think is hurting Alabama is that they are their ability, and this is going to be anybody's ability. They're just the first one to do it. Georgia will suffer the same fate soon enough, you know, whether they can maintain and how it shakes out, especially with the 12-team playoff. But what you can't do is sign all these four- and five-star guys. Then if they don't pan out right away and you take a transfer their position and put them further back, that guy may leave. Mm-hmm. And I'll just call it 50-50 generously, but it's probably less than that. But this 50-50 shot, he's going to help somebody else. Yeah. But you're not, you're not able to hoard on the roster anymore. Sure. So it's very much similar to, you know, do you remember the movie Rudy? Yes. Okay. In the movie Rudy, there's a scene where he's talking to a guy in the locker room, and the guy's like, look, I had scholarships to go to three Big Ten schools, but my dad wanted me to come here. And then – you know, that was back in the day was pre-85 scholarship limit. So if you could give as many scholarships as you wanted, and schools like Alabama and Bear Bryant was like, yeah, I'll give this guy a scholarship to come to Alabama, and then just knowing that he can't now go to Auburn. Yeah. So he's, you know, well, I've got all these He's a good player, but we'll see what happens. Whatever happens, happens, but I've got all the good players. Well, even in the 85 scholarship limit era, because you had to wait a year, like you're essentially when you decide to transfer, you're waiting – two years to play, right? And everybody wants immediate action nowadays. So even then, you're like, well, I might as well just wait. If I'm, I'm, I'm going to redshirt here, I'm going to redshirt there. Let's see what happens, you know? So then, you know, once you've made, like, you just kind of get stuck. But now that you can one time transfer wherever you want to go, Alabama can't develop half these guys right. that were, were probably going to be good for them when they were juniors, but now they're going and playing for somebody else when they're a sophomore. And... That's a guy you have to replace. So I think it's evident. And then the, the teams that are right now reaping the benefits of the transfer portal, the Colorado, Florida State, Texas, USC, uh, and I'll throw another one in there, Miami, yeah. like after this weekend, you can see how they've turned stuff around. Does that mean that any of those schools are going to win a national title? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not, really. I mean, the odds for winning it are really tough. But it does mean that those guys that were helping you and not helping someone else – uh, aren't helping you or not just sitting on your roster. You can't hoard anymore. So I think it's it's kind of an interesting thing that's happened. What is the general – I think the easy thing is to poke at Texas fan in this moment where they're rightfully excited and poke them with the Texas's back thing, which is not fair. They rightfully should be really jazzed about winning yeah. at Bama. What is the general temperature – of Texas fan right now? Are they loud and proud we are back? Are they I measured? I cautiously optimistic. Okay, which I think because, is fair. Which they needed to be. Yeah. I, I, I think of any fan base in the country that needed to be cut down to size and learn what realism is. Yeah. It was Texas. Yeah. 2005, like, here's the thing that happened in 2005. Texas fans already had not realized it had been 30 years since they'd won a national title. <laughs> They didn't realize it. <coughs> and then 2005 happened. They made a whole channel about how great they were. Nobody watched it but them. All these things happened, and then they kept expecting it to happen again. And then they realized how long a time it is between 1970 and 2005. And now they feel how long it is between 2005 2009, the yeah. last time they were really good. Yeah. And now, they like because the information's out there and you can feel it. Because, you know, I grew up, I didn't grow up in Texas. I grew up in Florida. And so if you had asked me in 1994 in Fort Myers, Florida, if you'd asked any football fan what they think of the University of Texas, they'd have been like, oh, they're, they're cute. Sure. You know, like they've, yeah. you know, Earl Campbell was there. What's happened since then? Because really, the 80s were not. A banner decade for Texas. They didn't win any national titles or anything. No, so. from about eighty to, from eighty four until they. I mean, they snuck in that one Big Twelve championship with John Makovic. But you're right, from eighty four to about ninety nine, like pretty run of the mill program. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of what they're in right now, right? Yeah. Until until now, we're start Sark's there, and he has realistically addressed the issues of the program. 
that's part of the problem you have, I think, a lot of times when you move on from a coach that's won is that programs don't realistically assess where they are in that moment. Mm -hmm. They just assess what happened in this individual season or two that turned the national championship coach into a guy that's not there anymore. Right. So Nebraska's in this right now. Nebraska might have, with Matt Rule, someone who has to, like, be forced into reasonably address that it's a long time since 2001. Mm -hmm. And as before, they were just trying to fix, well, like, well, this guy was this, like, Bill, uh, Bill Callahan should have changed the offense. Bo Pelini was too mean. You know, um, you know, oh, Mike Riley was too nice. Scott, Scott Frost, they get there like, well, he'll bring back the glory days because he knows what the glory days are, but he wasn't ready for that job. Yeah. And then, so now you have, like, you've kind of forced into where are you in the modern world because the modern football world has changed around you very rapidly. So fast. So, so fast. Much. So now you're kind of forced into doing it. Yeah. Texas, I don't think really, you know, Mac Brown left, retired, you know, was sure. ushered out, whatever you want to say. Yes. Mac Brown's gone. Okay, so then their boosters, and this is why they get the bad rap, were like, well, obviously we're going to get Nick Saban here because we get whoever the best is. Yeah. Not assessing that, no, 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 the college football Vatican is in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Right. It is not in Austin, Texas. Right. Bear Bryant coached at Bama. Yes. He did not coach at Texas. Yes. This guy is winning at Bama. It is historically better than you. Yeah. And – so Nick Saban said no. Then Jimbo Fisher said no. Then Jim Mora Jr. said no. And then what? I don't know pretty, how. Pretty steep. I don't know how steep drop there. How far down the line that you want to go until you get to Charlie Strong is their choice of the head coach. Yeah. When he was at Louisville, and he said yes. He came in, did not fairly assess what was going on. Then Tom Herman came in. And did not – I think Tom Herman knew what was going on, but he was too high-strung to fix it. Yeah. He would get, he would get drilled down in the, de in like in the, in the minutia of things. Yeah. As opposed to, like, all right, we got to fix the culture in this room, da-da-da-da. Well, I'm going to make sure that I put up the PP chart where the media can see it so they know how good a job I'm doing. Or this guy said something about me on the radio. I'm going to call him. Like, dude, I, like – yeah. Uh, I, I've said it to a couple of people in this being in this business as long as I have. If anything I say to you derails your day, like you've got bigger problems than me. Yeah, there's a little sensitivity there, probably. Yeah. So, like, again, it's, yeah, be, like, we don't know everything. Like, many people, we don't know everything. We don't know anything. What do we know? You know, like, you know, we're just here spouting opinions. Yeah. And if you're the head coach, you're making so much more money than me. Yeah. So much more. You've won at life. You don't need to worry about me. <laughs> You've so, won. Okay, so going back to the Bama-Texas game. Yeah. It looks like for the last few years, they have had dudes at the skill positions. Yeah. And it just hasn't, for whatever reason, they haven't put it all together. It felt like Saturday, that was one of the games I really was able to watch quite a bit of. Not candidly, Astros Padres was going on, so I was back yeah. and forth. But it felt like for the first time in a long time that it was clicking for them. Xavier Worthy, I guess, who has some has had some drop issues. Yeah. Makes a phenomenal catch on the I think he's had some ball. drop issues and he's had some poor poor me issues. And I think he's grown up a little bit. I think that was was a little bit of it maturity, you yeah. know? Like and that happened like that's going to happen. That's to be expected with kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um so I don't I don't I'm indifferent on whether Texas is back. But if they are, this was a huge step in that direction. Well, like, I no longer look at them, and after that game, I at least lean more towards, boy, this seems, this seems actually really good. They weren't just good today and against a below-average-to-average average opponent. That was a really good yeah. quality win is an understatement. Yeah, it was huge. And Quinn Ewers threw them to the win. Like, he was throwing deep passes. That was yeah. not something he, he could do a year ago. Yeah. He had his signature win. Sark had his signature win. Now that they've gotten that, they can move on to dealing with – because you – especially when you're at a program with everybody, every coach needs their signature win yeah. to go on their, their runs. Yeah. But in individual seasons, you need that signature win. This is the one that 
propelled you along the way. Yeah, well, Texas had it in 05 when they won at Ohio State. Exactly. Yeah. So they had that one. Um, and you, you'll probably need a signature comeback win, which they had in 05 against Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State Oklahoma where State. Oklahoma State had them absolutely dead to rights. And then Greg Davis and Mac Brown got together and said, okay, here's what play we're going to call in the second half. Vince. <laughs> That's right. Vince, run it right. Run it. Didn't they have a comeback the year before against Kansas? Yeah. Didn't they almost lose to Kansas yeah. that other Rose Bowl year? Yeah. That's right. And so, but they're like, okay. Um, and then they like Vince would run over, like, hey, what play are we running? I think you know. Yeah. <laughs> we're running Vince. They're like, hey, Vince, on this one, just throw in a pump fake, get yeah. your defender up, and keep running. Yeah. Just shake and it up a little here's bit. Here's what we're going to do. Um, after in the fourth quarter, you're going to throw a pass to somebody who's going to be so wide open, you won't understand it. And it's going to confuse you to a point of where it might hurt you, but don't think about it. <laughs> because everybody's feeling the same way. Just go. But they, uh, they had that. So now they've got their signature win. Now they can go about the business of winning the Big 12. Now, look, I don't think that's going to be easy at all. I don't think that they are – this win doesn't, to me, put them – Way head and shoulders above everybody else. No, I agree. Because there are some really good and well-coached teams. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, look, I know that they've beaten Arkansas State and SMU, but they've given up a combined 11 points in those two games, especially against SMU. Most of the times you think you beat SMU. Even in Oklahoma? Yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's a defense that might be very improved. So, yeah. Um, Oklahoma's going to be tough. Kansas State is one of the best coached teams in the entire country. TCU is still TCU despite – look, they, they lost by three to Colorado. Like, like, it was a great win for Colorado, but it was not, like, a devastating loss for no. TCU. They lost by three points. No, and that, that loss could actually end up not look – it could look even better it wouldn't, down yeah, the road. Yeah, probably won't look all that bad. Right. Because Colorado's probably going to be hanging in. Right. Uh, for for quite some time, yeah. Um, especially if they can invent chips on their shoulder to keep going. Sure, on. just keep making stuff up on, on on down the line. You know, does Texas play Utah this year? I don't have their schedule. No, no, Utah's not in yet. So they've got. I would say the toughest. Oh, that's right. The toughest games they have left are uh, Oklahoma, Tech, Kansas State, and TCU. Yeah, all, I would all out there for them. They're oft forgotten. Shouldn't be, but Kansas State. I, I, you don't want to like get all braggadocious about Kansas State and be like, well, it's their crown to defend. Although objectively, that's true. Yeah. And they are, man. Chris Kleiman can coach his butt off. Yeah. So they're really gonna be good. a tough one. Yeah. Is that game in Austin or Manhattan? Do we I, know? I cannot remember, but, um, but yeah, and that's a team that's been tough for them to beat over the last, yeah, you know, decade or so. They just kind of had their number yeah, they had a little their, bit. They had Ron Prince had their number. <laughs> Look, the Sunflower State's not been kind to Longhorns. No, between not. the two the two schools there. No, it has but, not. But I, I mean, it's a huge to me. It's a huge, huge thing for them to, um, you know, to to do what they did because they were not, or like in years past, like the Texas's bat game, they beat Notre Dame. Well, it turned out when Notre Joe Testor said that, yeah, neither of those teams were back no. at that time. No, and you know, it like it, early in the season, so that that's been a whole thing. But now what they have to do is take this signature win and make sure that you, it's not just like, we did that, yeah. we, everything should come to us. And I, the biggest thing that Sark had to fix that I think he has was the culture of entitlement was there. And I've, I've talked to several ex-Texas players that it was starting to really chap their hide a little bit that they would walk into a place and be like, look, man, I won this ring. Yeah. You didn't. Sure, yeah. Like, our team did this. You did not. You've got to earn it, and you have to earn it by working as insanely hard as we did. Yeah. And that was not happening for a good long while. Isn't entitlement, though, with, with anyone that's successful but with athletes, isn't entitlement really just about degrees? Like, you're just trying to get it to a manageable level. Yeah. You're never going to get rid of it. But if you can no. get it to a manageable level, maybe that's what he's done, yeah. is at least got it to a point where, like, he, he can at least put that brass ring out there and say, it's this close. Give me a little bit more, a little less entitlement. I do think it, it kind of helped he had that coach in year one, like on the bus that, I don't know if you heard the recording, where he's like, you know, the transfer portal is wide open. If you don't want to work this hard, you can jump right in it. I, we do not care. Really? Yeah. And it was like, it was one of those things where it came out. I think the person who released it thought they're like, oh, look how mean the coaches are. You're like, no, no, no. That's what coaches are. Yeah. Like they're upset because you're not meeting the level of expectation. Sure. Yeah. And 
Like nobody's getting hit here. Like you're just getting yelled at. Yeah. Like you know, Coughing and so there, but yeah, he he unleashed and it was like and part of it was look, you guys have like what have you done? Yeah. Like that's um you know, I'm a Cowboys fan. I I remember a couple of years ago, like being in the locker room. I said I'm a Cowboys fan. I also cover the Cowboys, but like being in the locker room and like watching the guys like kind of brag, like all these players were like like flaunting their suits and their jewelry and everything. And I'm like, you know, that's fine. I know that like that's cool. Except that like you know that you guys haven't won a thing. Yeah. And like so it's gonna come off wrong, whether it's right or not, that you guys are might be a little distracted by yeah, you know, by the little things. And then you go back a couple years later when some of those same players are older and they're not doing it because they're like, Yeah, sure. I think we might have been gotten a little like, oh, I got some money. Let yeah. me let me focus on that and not like what could make me even more. Yeah. Everybody grows up a little bit. Yeah. But going back to Texas Bama, I think it is good. Again, I come I come at it from a completely consumeristic point of view of do I want to watch this team in this game? And in the same way that I'm the opposite of you. I loathe the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I mean with the fire of a thousand suns. Mm-hmm. But when they're on Sunday night football, I'll watch it because it's an event and they're yeah. the Cowboys. The same way with, like, I'm not rooting for or against Texas, but when they're good and they're going to give Bama a game and Bryant-Denny, you're dang right I had that thing on. Oh, yeah. So, Look, they've now become one of the more compelling teams yeah. uh, in, in the country. Uh, I want to talk about in the next segment one of those other compelling teams, which Miami, with that win against a and I I got caught a little flat-footed on there. I thought they might be another year away with the athletes, but, ooh. Yeah, uh, sure didn't seem like it. No, they uh, they look like they might have they might have straightened things out. Uh, you said compelling. I thought we were going straight to Baylor. My fault. Oh no, we my fault. We might we might wait we might wait on that. That was very <laughs> that was a weird look. That was a weird game, bro. <laughs> let me tell you something. Again, I'm full consumer mode today. Flipping back and forth between Colorado, Nebraska, and Baylor, Utah was a bad idea because <laughs> to just see those two things contrast one another in real time, ooh, buddy. Yeah, it's a bad I, deal. I, ran, I ran into a Utah fan at Starbucks yesterday who was trying to sell me on Bryson Barnes, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I mean, was it Bryson Barnes's parents? Might have been. I don't know. <laughs> it was, but I mean, he he was like, well, we just need to get Rising back. We need Rising. We're completely different about Rising. Yeah. So if it was Bryson Barnes's dad, he was. But, <laughs> at least he was honest. Yeah. I was like, oh, and I, I asked him this, and you'll know, like for people watching that don't know the geography of Texas, it's just it's so huge. Like sure. sometimes people will be like, oh, um, you're in Waco, and like, do you know my like, have you been to like El Paso recently? I'm like, no, no, I'm once like, in my life. I'm like, well, like, no, it's not like somewhere I can get like. I, I've been to Dallas, you know, <laughs> I've been to Austin, I've been to Houston, but uh, El Paso is like a commitment. Yeah, you know, like that's yeah. that's something like. I've been I've been to Atlanta more times than I've been <laughs> to El Paso since I lived here because it's about the same distance away. Yeah, you know, not and a quick trip. So, but the guy was like, "Oh, are you uh, are you local? Like Texas? Or are you a you, you in town?" You know, I was curious because where he the Starbucks he was there was like no hotels around. So I think he was in a fixer upper uh, Airbnb. Uh, gotcha. Uh, but I uh, I asked him like, and he's like, "Oh, no, kind of local, Victoria." I'm like. It's like six hours from here. <laughs> it's not local at all. <laughs> like, no, I was like, you might as well just said, yes, I'm from Utah. Like, yeah. You're halfway there Kinda right now. Kind of local, Victoria. So, yeah, but, well, whatever. So, <laughs> anyway, when we come back, we talk a little bit Miami and AM. and uh, Oregon and Texas Tech. Um, Texas Tech, I think, had them there for the taking and then, you know, let them off the hook. But yeah, I may sound like get off my lawn guy for a minute when we talk Oregon Tech, so I apologize in advance. That, that's fine. That's okay. fine. Sometimes you need people off your lawn. Yeah. <laughs> bottom, bottom, listen, get off my lawn, guys. Not always wrong. No, I'm not wrong on this one either. I'm just preparing so, the faithful. Especially if you've if you've spent some time on that grass. Yeah. You win awards. You know. Worked hard on that lawn. grass. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. When we come back, this is the triple option. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, metro ethernet, waves, dark fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. 
Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. Welcome back to the Triple Option here on 365 Sports. I'm Paul Catalina alongside Chris Allman. Chris, uh, I mentioned before the break, we got to get into some other games because we really drilled down to Texas and Bama, and uh, which uh, that's the the win of the weekend, really. You know, so yep. um, you know, I'd like to say my blood of the Florida State Seminoles and their sixty-six to ten thumping of Southern Miss, but well, anytime me. you can take down the Eagles, who basically <laughs> that one, disbanded their no, that was UAB. Yeah, sorry that that one was that one was for Bobby Bowden, who lost on a Thursday night to Southern Miss and Brett Favre. And told that story at every dinner that he went to the rest, <laughs> rest of his life. He made a lot of money to tell that story over no, and over. Exactly. Yeah. Bobby, why do you like playing Thursday nights? Well, Dad Gimmit, we uh, played uh, Thursday night on the road against Southern Miss against this quarterback named Brett Favre. <laughs> Spelled his name weird. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that was half Bobby Bowden, half Will Ferrell doing yeah. Harry Carey. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a real a morph bit. of impressions there. Yeah. But anyway. Um, a&M in Miami, in Miami, um, I thought A&M would just have an, too much depth for the Hurricanes eventually, but uh, Miami carved A&M's defense up badly in that game. Of course, special teams played a role on either side of it. A&M blocked a punt that led to a touchdown. Miami missed some field goals, which never makes me sad. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, they returned to kick for a touchdown. Kid, look. Kids, if you're not sure what that was, Florida State lost to Miami uh, several times on some missed field goals when Paul was three, a child. Three, three wide rights and a, well, sometime, one time, twice when I was in school. I, went, I was at wide right three and wide left one. So, okay. um, so three wide rights and a wide left. And okay. Yeah, so I, I have some trauma. So yeah, sorry every, to derail. Every time they miss a field goal, I'm like, how do you like it? Yes. <laughs> Suck it, Huerta. Even, even though it's, it's Carlos Huerta, that guy was good. <laughs> he was good. He was good. Now, um, every time uh, every time they do, I'm just like, but like that one was in the second quarter. It was inconsequential to the whole thing. But but. Do, do you know, so this is a, I'm sorry to derail. This is how big those Florida State-Miami games were when I was in. Those were like when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Not to dredge up painful memories, Dan Mowry and Jerry Callahan, were mm-hmm. those the kickers' names? Mm-hmm. I remember those. Like, that's yeah. how big those moments and those games were. Yeah. Two teams thousands of miles away that I was locked in on. Well, so I understand the trauma, yes. I guess, is my point. Look, Scott Bentley's the guy who changed the fortune of Florida State football. He made kicks, and they won a national <laughs> title. God bless him. And then, and then, you, and, and you, then they had Sebastian Janikowski, who they should build the statue of. They really should. Al- although, I think if they do, they're – Gonna have to make some stuff go away. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, need to, gonna need to scrub some records. Yeah, <laughs> so. maybe get some some. Uh, what's yeah. it called? What deferred adjudication when they wipe yeah. your record? Exactly. <laughs> get yeah. some things so done. That, like no, 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 this never happened. Um, so the uh, but Miami, I'm not like they're not back or anything. Like that was a big win for them though. Yeah. Like they them scoring 48 points in the game was really huge against. An AM team that's supposed to be better. And I like it might not change what AM was going to do this year anyway. Like they were five and seven last year. Like the goal for them should be to get back to their baseline of eight and four, which is where they live. That's still probably very realistic to happen for them. Uh, their defense is worse than I thought it was uh, at this point in the year. They need to, they need kind of to lock it up there. Uh, offense was fine, but Miami just, they've got some players again all of a sudden. And that is due because. To the transfer portal. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I know you're not probably super fluent chapter and verse in Miami. They built that program recruiting the state of Miami. Yeah. Right. Tampa South. Are those transfers local or did they go just go get the no, they're dudes just going from to all get over guys. the country? And then, okay. like, again, they've got NIL, you know, they've got Life Wallet guy who's just lets them walk into the vault and play supermarket sweep. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, so they've got that part figured out. I did. Th- I will say I do think it's like I'm watching it, and 
it's not the Miami we grew up like they were honoring Howard Schnellenberger and because they're in the Dolphin Stadium like all their things that they have to put up they just had to like put it on removable oh yeah 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 so it's not like, permanent not permanent yeah like they really need to get their own place again and it's just it may be a thing that never happens but yeah um but it was and the stadium wasn't ever anywhere close to full but the people who were there were were getting after it yeah. and so you know maybe that creates some of the the Miami hype train because because the thing they did when they blew up the orange bowl and they went into what is now hard rock mm-hmm. that was Joe Robbie and pro player and about seven other sponsor names uh, over the years. That's the same stadium? Mm-hmm. That's not a brand new stadium? No. I thought Hard Rock was brand new. No, they've or remodeled new-ish. it. Oh, okay. It's the same it's okay. the same foundation just just it's got torn some, to the studs and rebuilt. Yeah. The games. So been re, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um but uh yeah, they just they find the materials cheaper in Miami. <laughs> just boat washed up on shore with all this stuff. What do you know? <laughs> the, so. the uh, again, not as an analyst, but where I see as I, I watched the Miami A&M game as much of it as I could, and where I see A&M largely kind of getting crushed is the D line. I was surprised. Like they played well early, but like, look, they were Walter Nolden and and uh, Shamar Stewart, and like they've got guys that made plays. They just they really did get a little worn out in yeah. that game, and. I was I was surprised, but Miami like they're a team you're gonna have to watch for the rest of the year because they've got they've got some athletes again and guys can make plays and Tyler Van Dyke who was awful last year and hurt and on his like eleventh offensive coordinator it felt like in his his tenure at Miami uh, Shannon Dawson the offensive coordinator now appears to have him pointed in the right direction and that's that's scary for the schools in the ACC. Do you mean Tyler Van Dyme as yeah. his mom <laughs> likes yes. to call him? Yeah. I got beaten by that little tidbit after about two minutes. They showed his mom <laughs> in the stands wearing a Van Dyme jersey. Yeah. It's like, okay, mom. Yeah, there we go. Way to stay low-key. Yeah. <laughs> is, is A&M – I see two contrasting things here, and this is really just a question that I'm interested to hear your thoughts on. Mario Cristobal is not a – like, out of the – like, he was good at Oregon, right? Like, he's – we know he can coach. Jimbo – there feels like a dividing line between the old and the new, and mm-hmm. it feels very, very prevalent right now, right? Your, your new blood, you've kind of got Dion leading the way, but you've got Cristobal and a lot of these younger guys. I mean, all the way down to G.J. Kenny, who was here a couple weeks yeah. ago. Then you have your Sabins and your Jimbos that are excellent coaches but seem to not be changing with the times very well. Do you feel like that game was a little bit – I don't, want to, I don't want to add more to it than No, it was. but I do think that, like, that's been Jimbo's problem is adjusting to change. Yeah. Look, he got in the transfer portal more than he has this year. And, you know, I think made some really good pickups in the transfer portal. But uh, I don't, like, I think he's been slow to change, and that's what's kind of caught up to him. Yeah. Because it, it worked, it worked, it worked, and then it, it didn't. Yeah. You know, because sometimes – you're like, oh, well, I just maybe I needed, you know, I didn't, I didn't. But he he had Jimbo had a run of quarterbacks between LSU and Florida State that all were really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, Jamarcus Russell, Matt Flynn, Matt Mock, like Matt Flynn and Matt Mock won national titles. Matt Flynn had a long NFL career um, as a backup, made a lot of money because of Jimbo Fisher. He put EJ Manuel, Christian Ponder, and Jameis Winston in the first round of the draft. Jameis Winston was the number one overall pick. Jamarcus Russell was the number one yeah. overall pick. So he's got two number one overall pick quarterbacks in his back pocket as a yeah. coach, as an offensive coordinator and head coach. And then he goes to AM and none of that happens. Yeah. And so you get to the point of like, well, why is it not? And part of it is that he's running an offense that was is antiquated. Yeah. And so. The change to Petrino, I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you. Like, if you pressed me, like, tell me what kind of offenses Bobby Petrino runs. I could tell you from memory, like, he ran some pretty high scoring offenses, yeah. but it still feels like a st- not a step back quality wise, but it's a you're reaching back in time to get someone to compete well, I in think a modern it was, game. I think it was, I think it was like, if you want to talk about X's and O's, like, personalities be damned in this because. You're not going to win the like. 
if if the if you made the AM coaching staff a Girl Scout troop selling cookies, you would probably even pass up thin mints from them because you're like, these guys are <laughs> just crabby. You know, it's Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino and DJ Durkin and yeah. Steve Adazio. Like you've got a lot of guys that are like, grumpy. They're just grumpy, grumpy guys. Grumpy, yeah. like questionable like in the case of Durkin and Petrino as two coordinators, like really questionable things that have happened in their past. I mean, yeah. DJ DJ Durkin and the the kid that died when he was the head coach of Maryland. And, yeah. Uh, that was because he was, he was just negligent. Um, you know, all like those things like happen. So he like, I think you seeing like Mario Cristobal is like, he's taking everything. He has to take everything he can yeah. to make Miami work as fast as he can because Mike Norvell is doing that in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. He's got to beat him if he yeah. wants to win the league. You know, uh, Deion Sanders is going to recruit in, every state in the country that has good players and every coach has to ward him off. So you have to adapt, you know, so you've got all these coaches. And then if you're not fast to adapt, like Jimbo Fisher, you're going to get stuck. You're going to get stuck. And he, I think that's what we're seeing. He's trying to change, but how, like how much patience do you have? If you're Texas A&M, especially when you can look at other younger coaches and go, maybe that's what you need to do here. And I would say that if Jimbo Fisher ultimately doesn't win at A&M and they let him go, that they don't need to do the thing where who's the biggest possible name that we can find to hire. And you say, who's the best possible name that we can find to hire? Yeah. And my, like, who, like this, oh, who's been here before? No, no, no. Yeah. Who, it doesn't matter. Jimbo wasn't there before. You know, like Dennis Frank, like that doesn't thing. Like those are the things you do. I would say who's the best possible coach, who runs the best possible system, who can recruit the best players, who is somewhere that maybe doesn't have the advantages that we have and winning, and if we gave him these powers, he would he would win. Yeah. So those are the things they need to look at. Um, I have a guy in mind uh, for that job, uh, and he coaches in San Antonio. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I think he would be fantastic at it. Okay. And I think that – it's a hard place to like everywhere's hard to coach. Yeah. There's some places that are uniquely hard and Texas and Texas A&M, who we talked about the lion's share of this are two of the hardest places to coach. Yeah. Maybe in the world, like it might be easier to coach Texas A&M than it is to coach man. You like, <laughs> honestly, it is so yeah. tough to coach at A&M. Yeah. And so there are, there are a lot of things going on there. Uh, I do want to talk about Texas tech and Oregon. Okay. Uh, Texas tech had that upset loss. At Wyoming, they welcome Oregon. It is maybe the most eyes that have been on Lubbock, Texas in quite a long time. Since 2009. Yeah, and came right down to the end of the game and threw a a very unfortunate pick six and lost. Yeah. I I don't see losses as net positives, but I see what everybody sees in Tech and that they're going to be better – but I do think that maybe we put the cart before the horse of this is a team that's going to take the world by storm in year two of Joey McGuire. Yes. We all get enamored by Coach McGuire, and rightfully so, right? Like, he's a guy that you're like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. You know, like, whatever you got. I think if there's an 0-2 team in the country that can feel okay about the trajectory of things, Tech is one of them. Yeah. Now, the, the Wyoming loss, it sucks, but it's over and done with. You almost beat Oregon in your place. I, I, again, I don't think they need to be – there's no reason for them to feel hopeless. Yeah. They may need to reevaluate yeah. their timeline emotionally, uh, the fans at least, and the money people. But they played, they played really good offensive football mm-hmm. in that game. Yeah. The tackling in that game was flipping atrocious. Well, I mean, that was for everyone. I know. It was, it was like they agreed before the game of – we're not going to hit that hard. Yes. <laughs> and perhaps I get uh, – I didn't play football, so I'm just not going to sit out here and call kids weak. But my brother is a football coach, so I'm around football coaches who will very much call kids weak. <laughs> and so maybe I, maybe I just hear from them that kids are afraid to yeah. hit. But, boy, that Texas Org- – I mean, that, that Tech-Oregon game – this is my get-off-my-lawn bit. It's like, man, nobody would wrap up. Like, so many guys slipping out of – Tackles with guys around their ankles. Tech makes a few tackles. I mean, perhaps Oregon makes a few more. It's a bigger win. But Tech played great offensive football. 
again, I sound like such a surly old guy, and I apologize to, I guess, surly old guys, but I, I can't get – Bo Nix is awesome. Tyler Shuck is awesome. Yeah. But it's really – the game is made to be a quarterback now. So when you're prolific and putting up numbers, I'm not like, wow, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really good game. I thought it lacked tremendously in some fundament, fundamentals. I wasn't all that wild. I think both quarterbacks are really good. They're taking advantage of a system that caters to them. But I think Tech is going to be fine. I think if you're if you're high on Coach McGuire and what he's doing, I don't think there's any reason to to back off of no, that. No, no, no. I just think that sometimes you like, you know, you the only difference is is you you thought at worst you'd be one and one and now you're 0 and 2. Yeah. Because you you had a little you know, opening week hiccup hiccup. Yeah. But you know, they'll learn from those things and, and move on. I mean, he, Joe McGuire's the human shot of espresso, so he's he, – they'll be fine. They'll he's, be like – again, there's not been a coach. Um, he's the right amount of Dan Campbell. Yes. He's like – you're like, Dan Campbell might be a little bit too much. Joey McGuire's the right amount of Dan Campbell. I think, like, but Joey McGuire and Dan Campbell have similar things in that. You know, he's got to make sure that nobody ever questions, like, well, Lubbock's really far out. Yeah. Like, he has to, like, take all that out. Because it's really the only thing he's working against. Sure, it's geography. It's, it's geography. Yeah. He, he, can't, he can't change it. He just has to convince you it's not as big a deal as you've made it. Yes. Uh, Dan Campbell is dealing with years and years and years of futility. Sure. And so he has to be, like, because he can't be, you know, like poor Rod Marinelli, who was up there and was like, ah. <sighs> You know, so like those things, I think sometimes it's sometimes it gets to be a little bit much or like once you've gone through it and you start winning and they still do it, you're like, well, (laughs) you know, I get why you had to do this then. Yeah. But kind of like Georgia last year when that like nobody like, you know, Kirby Smart took it. It was very brilliant and somehow convinced the players nobody thought they would do it when it was really nobody wanted them to. You know, everybody wanted, everybody wanted, like the majority of the college football world wanted to see TCU win last year. Right. Because it would have been a much better story than Georgia winning back to back. Right. Another SEC team winning. It would have been this great story. People like to root for Cinderella. Everybody thought you could, Georgia. Just nobody wanted you to. Yes. There's a different thing. For sure. Yeah. No, for everybody sure. thinks you can. The, they don't want you to. The nobody wanted us to, nobody believed in us trope. Is one if I if I had to vote on what I'd like to retire? Oh yeah, that that and then nobody respected us. You know, like we were talking a little bit about about Shadur, you know, and his his bit before the I so but going back, like I I watched Tech in Oregon, and I thought this thing is going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, and you really are saved for one or two plays, a couple plays against Wyoming, and a bad pick that was not, like, an egregiously bad pick, right? I mean, Chuck throws that thing. He's under duress. Not the end of the world. So, I think if I'm a Tech fan, of the 0-2 teams in the country, I think Tech fans can feel okay. Now, I'm not one of them. So, I mean, I'm not, like, a diehard Tech alum. So, maybe they feel differently. Yeah. When we come back, teams that are in trouble, and we can start right here in the 254. They are O N two and O for their last six. This is three sixty five Sports, the triple option. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. Welcome back to the Triple Option here on 365 Sports. 
Teams that are in trouble. We're going to start with Baylor, a team that is just two years removed from winning the Big 12 title. They're on a six-game skid, and they really did defensively play their butts off the mm-hmm. other day. Really did against Utah. Um, you saw a lot better effort than you did against Texas State. But the thing is, is that at the end of the day, it comes out with another loss, and this is a team that's on a skid. They welcome in Long Island this week, but get-right games often are only fleeting and temporary. And that get-right game comes in the middle of, you know, Utah and Texas, who just had their signature win. So you, if you're a Baylor team, that's really scary. A&M, you know, might not be as good defensively. Bama might have quarterback problems. You know, there are... There are some things you look around and go, okay, like, uh, and look, it's we're only two weeks in, but it is, it is interesting. You know, look, Nebraska is zero and two, and I don't think anybody thought that they were going to be no uh, any more than than I thought they might be one and one after this. Yeah, uh, I didn't know what Colorado was going to be, and then after last week, I didn't expect them to beat Colorado at all. So yeah, um, but I mean, Nebraska's got to you know reassess who they are, and may not be without Jeff Sims and. Have to figure out who the quarterback is between two other guys that are yeah. transfers. So, well, that poor kid's got some turnover issues. Joel Klatt yeah. was doing a deep dive into like, yeah. why? Why does this kid have such a hard time? Like it was mental. That's beside the point. Uh, yeah, I think teams that are in trouble relative to their expectations. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're really close to it. I don't. I don't know that anybody could make an argument that Baylor is is in worse trouble than anyone. I mean, relative to expectations, maybe Bama. Like, maybe Bama. Maybe the sky's falling in Tuscaloosa. Well, I just think, like, look, they've got to figure out their quarterback situation. Yes. Because Jalen Milrow, just in his first competition against a, a, a good team, yes. looked overmatched. And, like, he, he maybe is not the guy. The Baylor game, Baylor's current predicament. Like, I have no idea what is actually wrong. Like, we don't know what is actually wrong other than – they're on the wrong end of the scoreboard the last six games. You can and blame all of them are different. Yes. Like it's not the same thing every single time. Right. The the Texas State loss and the Utah loss are dramatically different. Even your defense playing better, though I think they will be fine defensively regardless of opponent. Even your defense playing better came without Cam Rising playing. So you might we might have a whole different assessment if Cam Rising was playing. But it's it's lethargic at the stadium. It's dull offensively. It's in contrast to some of the really energetic and exciting things going on in other programs. There's no juice over there. I mean, I heard Mac on with you guys talking about the lack of energy really being one of the more alarming things. And again, just as a crud, as a consumer, as a guy that married into a Baylor family, like it is, it, there's a resigned kind of like okay here we go at least when coach rules first year there was some anger i've heard people say in marriage like if you're counseling a married couple if there's some anger with each other you can fix that but if they don't care yeah that's really hard to fix yeah there just seems to be a lethargy right now about baylor football that's really hard to get back on the rails so if i had to cast a vote they're they're in worse trouble than most yeah i I, yeah it's good it's good because you don't i don't know and the thing is is they're they got a really tough schedule in a really even league, mm-hmm. right? So they got to play Cincinnati, and that would have been one of the ones where everybody's like, "Oh yeah, they'll probably get Cincinnati." Yeah. Cincinnati just beat Pitt, looked pretty darn good doing it. Yeah. Um, Emory Jones, like Scott Satterfield and Emory Jones, might be that match mm-hmm. that Emory Jones has been looking for all this time. And you know, I thought when Dan Mullen could get the most out of him, and he was very much a Dan Mullen type quarterback. Of course, that was a bigger issue than than just a quarterback when Dan Mullen was at Florida. But yeah. Dan Mullen didn't, you know. And then you know, he went to Arizona State, which was an unmitigated disaster <laughs> last year. So maybe you don't put that on Emory Jones. Um, so, like, the kid's been through a lot. Now he's good. Okay, they're on Baylor's schedule. You know, Texas is still on the schedule. UCF in the first Big 12 home game on the schedule in three weeks. Um, by the way, I'll be there that week, uh, the 28th and 29th. We'll be doing shows. At a personal from trip? Or a no, we'll be there doing trip? shows. Okay. Yeah. Jack and I are going. Jack couldn't be more excited. He's going to go to Harry Potter World. 
He's, <laughs> he I don't think he's listening. That was met with an, a resounding shrug. <laughs> he can't hear him, so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, he can't, he's got his earbuds in. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, he can hear me? Okay, he's, good. He's giving you hand signals. Oh, I was just, I was hoping Zach was excited <laughs> about going to Harry Potter World. And, I don't know if I have the money to go to Harry Potter World. Oh, we had, <laughs> listen, folks, we got to get jacked. I, Jack, I picked up on that. I knew you didn't want to say that on the air. I picked up on it, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't sorry, see, I can't see his you. face through the tripod. <laughs> so we're going to make sure Jack Poor gets Jack. to go to Harry Potter World. Um, so we'll start a GoFundMe. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry about your new kidney. Guy, guy, I gotta guy works it. 90 hours a week here and hosts like five different shows. Yeah. Throw him a bone. Yeah. Get him to Harry Potter World. So... Um, but, uh, is there a school I'm like, we're, we're really close to no, it. We're really close to it. Look, I'm I, having dinner twice a week with people who are really apathetic about Baylor yeah. football. Is there a program that's, that's in worse shape relative to expectations? Nationally? I would say that the coach whose seat has gotten relatively the hottest that was like a medium temperature would be Dave Aranda. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's imminent or anything. I just think that relative to what's going on, like right now they're on a six-game losing streak. Yeah. And, you know, that's likely to end this week against Long Island, one would think. Exactly. But But, even you were like, yeah. I mean, I don't want to like. Yeah. I mean, weird stuff happens in sports. Yeah. So, but then if you've, okay, say you end the six-game losing streak, but then it turns into 10 of your last 11, then you've got a real, like you have to really assess what's going on. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, like they're, I would say, you know, and because so there's a lot of big programs that make changes already. Like, you know, Matt Rule's 0-2. He's not in the hot seat. You know, Hugh Freeze barely beat Cal. He's just there. You yeah. know, like, he just got there. So, like, a lot of the places I wouldn't say are, like, hot seat, you know. Um, you know, Arizona State just, you know, changed their head coach. Yeah. Texas looks like they're doing well. So, anybody's there. Like, you know, Jimbo Fisher's seat is going to remain at a – differentiating temperature of hot and warm right. depending on what they're doing and how much they decide they're going to tolerate yeah. versus money they're going to pay him yeah. to not coach there. I think Billy Napier's seat is going to be pretty warm sure. um, at Florida. But, again, he's he's in year two and hasn't done a good – like Dave Aranda – Dave Aranda's own success is, is, is hurting him right now in that, like, everybody knows that they can do it. Mm-hmm. But – you know, there's a lot of issues going at Baylor, some of which are not that are not inside Dave Aranda's control, right? Or that he did not react, like that they did not as a program react to well. I think we talked about it last week, like the transfer portal. They did not, they did not grab hold of that as fast as everybody else did. Yeah. Um, and now they are, but the problem is, is, you know, throw NIL on the top of that, and so schools that are like, for example, SMU. You know, just dusted off their old 1984 playbook and was Boy, like, "Here's here's what you do. Like, you know, here's here's how we're going to give people money, and now nobody's going to say anything about it." You know, and then Baylor was just like, "Okay, well, let's start out. You know, they're starting from the ground up." Is where, yeah, you know, A and M had a like. Well, and look, here's the thing: many schools had, I could say, dormant, but many schools were doing a lot of this anyway. Yeah, and now they just like, oh, you mean I don't have to like. Hide it. Tell somebody to meet me yeah. at a Denny's yeah. at 3 a.m. and, you know, yeah. come along. You have to be delusional. Yeah. Like, everybody like, was doing this stuff. Yeah. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go to Avis Rent-A-Car. <laughs> you will ask them for the only Toyota camera they have. In the trunk of that Toyota Camry is a bag. That bag has a key to a locker. That locker is at a bus station three miles from the... <laughs> you sound like Dwight Schrute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how it goes. By the way, uh, have you guys... On your afternoon show, sorry, we out of time. No, I'm just. Have you guys ever had Ross Dellinger on with Yahoo? Oh, all the time. Okay, his article he just wrote about SMU's entry into the ACC mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah, I highly excellent. recommend. Yeah, very good. Yeah, was, Ross is great. We have him on all okay. the time. It was yeah. really well done. Yeah, we have him on all the time. So. Um, I just think with Baylor, again, speaking purely as a consumer, because candidly, I don't know what the expectation is of the guy in this chair. If I'm supposed to be like objective, no. but. We have, I have friends over there that I really want them to do well, mm-hmm. right? But I can also objectively look at it and say, this thing's going fast in an ugly direction. And then you scan the college football landscape. I mean, geez, even Oregon State, Washington, like these electric, energetic programs, and you know it can be done here. And you're just like, I, 
I want it to change. I'm never going to be this guy that's like, fire Aranda, it has to be done. I just, I, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I agree, it's not imminent. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope he writes the ship, but they, they need way more than just a bounce back against Long Island. Well, yeah, I mean, there's just, like, there are, you know, and you look at the teams in the conference, there's so much excitement with teams in the conference. Like, UCF is having their best recruiting classes ever Yeah. all of a sudden. I'm not even getting into the four teams that are coming in, one of whom you just lost to is the two-time defending com- champion, champion of that conference. Um, so there's exciting things going on all over the, you know, Texas tech has this big NIL energy going on there in Lubbock right now. TCU is coming off uh, a championship appearance, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Kansas state there's, there's energy around that program. Um, you know, so outside of like, you know, I mean, Iowa state's more moribund right now, but that has maybe more to do with some stuff that went on <laughs> off the field. Sure. Right. <laughs> You know, so because other players lost a bunch of money betting on themselves. Well, the thing it's not even a bunch. <laughs> like that's what that's what really makes it sting. Is like, you know, you see this like underage gambling scandal in Iowa, and both like both teams have had to kick guys off the team, and they've had yeah. all these guys plead guilty. And then you're like, well, how much money did you bet? They're like seven hundred and twenty two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like. Okay. <laughs> so it's like Dr. Evil wanting a million dollars. Yeah. Like, no, it is. Like, so, and look, they broke the rules. Yeah. It's like, it's a rule, for, and it's a rule for a damn good reason, too. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, there's a reason that players aren't allowed to gamble. Yes. There's a very, very good reason that they're not. That's the one we can all agree on. Yes. There's not a real strong lobby for like, nah, players should be able to gamble. It's not like on. weed where you're like, well, yeah. you know, like there's right. there's this like huge gray area in it. You're like, well, you know, if I can do it, why can't they sure, do yeah. it or whatever? Like yeah. those kind of things. Well, I can do it because I have no out like effect on any of the outcome. Yeah. Like I I'm pretty sure I don't. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm reasonably sure that <laughs> As bad as wanting certain things to happen, I've never made them happen. Right. I don't have the force. Yes. You know, so, but if you're the quarterback of a team and you're betting on games, then that's a problem. Yeah. Because you can affect the outcome and there's integrity issues there. But like when you do see like how these kids got into this and like, you can see how a dumb mistake it is. Like, yeah, well, why not? Like, I'll bet 10 bucks on the Cowboys and Giants. Yeah. Well, then 10 bucks turns into $722 because you made. 72 bets or whatever you yeah. did. And then you've committed a felony in the state of Iowa because you're 19 and illegally using a gambling app and the threshold is like $400. Yeah. So. Talk about two teams that were just ready for the regular season to start. Yeah. Just so somebody would write a game story or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. They played a game. Cyhawk was this weekend. You yeah. Know? Uh, but yeah, I do like, yeah, Baylor, like there is, there is a lack of, of, of juice right now and they, they need to find it. They need to find it somehow. They've had it, but now it's just they're, they're it's like they're grabbing it at it and can't find it because there are some overlapping issues that have happened a couple of different times. But if you go back through the six game losing streak and look at how they lost each one of them, you wouldn't be able to be like, well, that's this this one because this one was different than Texas State. Yeah. And Texas State was different than Air Force. Mm-hmm. And Air Force was different than Kansas State. And Kansas State was different than West Virginia. Like all those different losses that they've had the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, uh, this one was different than Texas. Like all of it yeah. different. So, that, like Dave Aranda, I think the biggest issue, he's got to get all those guys pulling the rope in the same direction. Yeah. And I think that, and pulling it enthusiastically. And that's not what's happening right now. Yeah. And it, it is unfortunate, I guess is the word, because, you know, they preach this person over player. And they really, like, there's a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the rhetoric over there is positive stuff that you like. You're for it. But you're also like, it all works better if you win. Yeah. You need to win. People care about this stuff, but you got to win in order to have that influence. Yeah, absolutely. My apologies to Jack McKenzie for, you know, airing his business. But uh, I didn't. I couldn't. I legitimately couldn't see his. It's okay. His his face or his hands. It's okay. I can see his hand now. <laughs> Saw that one. I've never been to Harry Potter World. Yeah, I've never to- read the books or seen the movies. So that's it. That's yeah. all I got. Okay. Good deal. <laughs>
You might have, you got kids. It's probably coming your way. Oh, my wife watched them all three weeks ago. I just didn't pay attention. Oh, good for so, you. I'm a 45 year old adult. <laughs> yeah. So, too busy watching suits. <laughs> <laughs> way to go. I, we, we're going to talk about that. Sophisticated one day. television. That's right. Suits. <laughs> hey, do you think they had like folder toss training on suits? Dude, I, like think, I, I think I could write an episode of suits. Here's the deal. <laughs> So everything is really tense when sometimes it seems like they should have gotten past sure. it. And then, uh, now I'm not trying to knock the show because I did enjoy it, but like they would walk, like they had this like folder thing where they would like walk into yeah. a room and like instead of just like putting a folder on a desk, whatever it was, they'd be like, oh yeah? Well, yeah. this says you can't. And they would just like toss and yeah. slide and the here's, folder. Here's, I've never been a lawyer, but here's suits. Apparently there's a folder that tells you everything you need to know. They hand them a folder and they go, this merger? I've been waiting my whole life for this merger. There you go. I just auditioned for suits. <laughs> yeah. If they if they have a revival, you'll be right there. I'm the guy. You'll be in the office next to Lewis. That's where you'll be. That's going to do it for us. This is the Triple Option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber.